The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your guest host today, Emily Martin, Director of Communications at the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. The field of cancer treatment is constantly changing and advancing. Just recently, we had an episode on immunotherapy, an emerging type of cancer treatment. On this episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer, we will explore another significant advancement in cancer treatment, and namely the current problems with accessing this treatment. It's called oral chemotherapy, a drug you take by mouth to treat cancer, which for untold numbers of patients is often too expensive to afford due to outdated health insurance benefit models. To combat this, 34 states in the District of Columbia have passed laws to limit what patients pay for these new life-saving oral chemotherapy drugs. Our show today will focus on how the affordability of oral chemotherapy impacts people currently living with cancer and ways in which new laws will help patients around the country access the most effective therapies to treat their cancer. And with that, we have four guests here with us today to dive deeper into this complex topic. Our first guest is Zena Carey, Principal of Carey Collaborative Strategies, National State Government Affairs Consulting. Zena is a seasoned patient advocate and public policy professional. Thanks for joining us today, Zena. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for having me on. It's exciting to be here. Glad to have you. So also joining us is Mariolana Lee, a Director of Government Affairs for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, or LLS. LLS is the world's largest voluntary health agency dedicated to blood cancer. Mariolana is an advocate for improved access to quality cancer care. Thanks for being here, Mariolana. Thanks for having me. And our third guest today here is Matt Scherer. Matt brings direct patient experience as an oncology service line administrator for Tallahassee Memorial Cancer Center and the Association of Community Cancer Centers, or ACCC. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Glad to be here. It's an important topic. And last but not least, we have Taylor Patton. Taylor is an advocacy associate for the International Myeloma Foundation, or IMF. Taylor works to expand IMF's U.S. advocacy program and grassroots network. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you so much. I really am glad to have the opportunity to be here. Great. 
So let's start by giving an overview. So Linda, or excuse me, Zena, I would like to start today with you. Uh, can you give us an overview of oral chemotherapy and, and what exactly the problem is that we're facing? Sure. Um, well, the problem is it's simple. It's not as complicated as some would try to make it out to be. Um, the problem is that oral chemotherapies, oral anti-cancer drugs, are just really unaffordable for thousands and thousands of patients around the country. Um, and the problem really lies with the way insurance companies structure their health plans and the benefits. Um, patients who are, are taking, whose doctor prescribes to them an oral anti-cancer medication or, or an oral anti-cancer drug um, are usually asked to pay a lot more in their monthly out-of-pocket expense than someone who is receiving an IV treatment. And the issue really lies with where the benefit for the oral chemotherapy is, quote-unquote, housed on a, per any individual's insurance plan. Um, typically, the way it works, because the, the treatment itself comes in pill form, it's placed on the prescription drug side of the benefit, um, where patients are exposed to a range of out-of-pocket mechanisms, including deductibles and coinsurance. And it's really the coinsurance that, that, that causes patients to run into problems um, because what it does is it, it requires patients to pay a total percentage, a percentage of the total cost of the drug each month. So let's say the total cost of your drug to treat your cancer for one month is $11,000. And we have actually had examples of patients who, without you know, help from insurance, it was $11,000. And so if they have a 60% coinsurance, it means they have to pay 60% of $11,000 each month, which, you know, for most folks is, is completely unaffordable. On the IV side, IV is held on the medical benefit part of the plan. Most health plans have two sides, medical medical benefit and then your prescription drug benefit. So the IV is, is placed on the, on the medical benefit side where the patient pays um, on average between 20 and $50 a month for their copay, um, which is different. It's a copay versus the coinsurance on the prescription drug side. So it's a real inequity in what a patient has to pay for their chemotherapy. Um, we're not, you know, in, we'll talk about the solution later in the show, I know, um, but essentially all we're saying in these, you know, in this issue is that regardless of how, chemotherapy is chemotherapy, regardless of how it's administered, whether it's in a pill or an IV form, and so it should just be a fair and equal amount that patients have to pay regardless of how their treatment is given to them. Got it, got it. So, Taylor, let's go over to you. Could you tell us a little bit more about the International Myeloma Foundation? Sure, I would love to. So Great. the IMF is the oldest and largest organization dedicated to finding a cure for multiple myeloma. And we are just here as a resource for any patients and caregivers that may be facing this really terrible disease. And we have several support groups across the country that can provide support to you in your local communities, as well as several branches that are international as well that we can also provide support for. We also have our Black Swan Research Initiative project that we're currently working on, which is bringing together the leading minds and researchers in myeloma research to help bring together resources and find a cure for this disease. 
That's great. And what kind of work is IMF doing around oral parity? Why is this issue of, of oral chemotherapy access so important to, to patients with multiple myeloma? Well, as Vina kind of touched on just a few minutes ago, it's really the cost that is just such a terrible concern for our patients. Um, they're already dealing with cancer, so they obviously don't need any financial stressors in their life. Right. And as Zena was saying, you know, if you have a coinsurance on a medication that costs you $11,000 a month, and that coinsurance is, you know, range, mm-hmm. well, depending on your insurance plan, it can range. But, I mean, let's say, for example, it's 20%. Well, 20% of $11,000 is still a lot of, is a lot of money to be providing to your insurance company every month. So it's just something that the IMF is really trying to help mitigate and, you know, kind of remediate that cost for patients so that they can continue to focus on what's the most important, spending time with their family and, you know, really, you know, keeping up with their care. Definitely, definitely. And Mary Elena, let's bring you into the conversation. Um, first, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit more about the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And then I'd love to hear more uh, about, you know, how this issue impacts the patients that you serve. Sure. Um, so the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, or LLS, is... Um, a terrific organization that's really dedicated to the blood cancers. Our mission is to cure leukemia, lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease, and myeloma, and improve the quality of life of our patients and their families. You know, a huge, a huge day-to-day component of that mission is ensuring that our patients have access to what's been prescribed to them by their medical team. You know, you asked me about why is this issue so important to patients. I, I think here I will echo what Zena and, and Taylor both just said, and that's that really on a very simple level, having parity of coverage is key to these therapies getting into the hands of our patients, right? I mean, so many of our organizations are doing great work year-round to to fundraise, right, so that we can do our part to keep research going so that new innovative therapies are coming to market and are being available, made available to patients. But without that coverage, right, without parity, all of those innovations are essentially, you know, they're at risk of, of uh, sitting on the shelf never being used, never having the human impact that they were intended to have in the first place. So parity, the impact to patients here, I'd say it all comes down to that simple word, access. It's about patients not having to pit life necessities against each other, right? I mean, we, we every time we get a call from a patient who's having to make choices like, should I pay for my treatment this month or should I cover the rent? What about the groceries? Mm-hmm. Right? These are the sorts of calls that um, break my heart every time I hear them and uh, remind me every day why I come to work in our Office of Public Policy to um, continue working in those 16 remaining states where parity has yet to become law. Definitely. And, and thank you, Mary Elena. And we know that oral chemotherapy, you know, just it, it can be a much more convenient way to, to receive treatment, but if, if we don't have this access, this affordability, um, there's some major challenges with that. Um, so this is, uh, frankly speaking, about cancer. Today's show is sponsored by Lilly Oncology and Onyx Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, an Amgen subsidiary. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll hear more from our guests when we return.
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Emily Martin, and today we're talking with Zena Carey, Principal of Carey Collaborative Strategies, Mary Elena Lee, Director of Government Affairs for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, or LLS, Matt Scherer, Oncology Service Line Administrator for the Tallahassee Memorial Cancer Center and the Association of Community Cancer Centers, or ACCC, and Taylor Patton, Advocacy Associate for the International Myeloma Foundation, or IMF. We're talking today about oral chemotherapy drug parity. In our last segment, we talked about what the issue is, and now I want to talk a little bit more about some solutions. So, Zena, let's start off with you again. Um, I'd love to start with politics on the, the federal level. Is there anything being done there to address the issue of affordability of oral chemotherapy drugs? Um, and the bill is really the federal bill is really um, one of the prime. The primary goal of the federal bill is to fill a gap that's not being met at the state level, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but we have had a bill that's been floating around um, for several years now um, in the House of Representatives, um, and it is going to be reintroduced this year. It's a new Congress, so. Um, you know, it usually takes time to get, you know, to get everything organized and get and get the session up and running. But we do know that, um, a new, that the sponsors will be reintroducing the bill this coming year. And essentially what that bill will do um, is, as I mentioned, will close a gap and it will bring in the plans that are regulated at the state level that are 
sold at the state level, but not subjected to state law. Um, there are there are certain plans that are um, exempted um, by a federal uh, by federal law, and so what this bill will do is um, bring those bills into compliance with the bills with with, with state with it'll line up with what's happening at the state level. Sure. And so speaking of, of the state level, what what exactly is going on uh, with the states on, on this issue? Well, uh, it's, it's lots of, it's a hotbed of activity at the state level. Um, that, you know, as you mentioned before, uh, 34 states at District of Columbia have passed some sort of limitation on what patients needing to take um, oral anti-cancer medications pay each month. Um, we are, you know, we, we've kind of dubbed a fun phrase, 16 and 16. We're just entering the new two-year cycle of state legislative sessions, and so we've got 16 states to let, left to go, and we're hoping by the end of 2016 we'll have those 16 lined up. Um, so there's, there are several active campaigns around the country this coming year. Um, we anticipate the next two years to just be really busy at the state level working in those 16 states get legislation passed that puts a limit, a monthly limit on what patients have to pay for their oral, oral chemotherapy. Sure. And uh, while I've still got you, what, so what is some of the opposition to this bill? I mean, to me, it sounds like such a, a no-brainer. Why, why, um, <laughs> why don't we have all, all 50 states right now? You know, why, um, what, are, what are people uh, so opposed to? Well, I don't want to oversimplify, um, but I think, you know, one of the root problems with any issue that you tackle when it's dealing with um, asking insurance companies to change the way they, you know, the way they operate, um, there's a knee-jerk reaction on their part. And because it, you know, and it's, it's, it's almost, I call it the chicken little theory, you know, the sky is falling no matter what it is. Sure. Um, but, you know, the opposition range, there's several typical arguments that are tossed out every time we we, we go into a state to, to introduce and pass a new bill. Um, but usual things are, you know, this bill is a mandate on insurers. Um, and what we counter with is, no, it's not a mandate because we're not saying, we're not saying if someone's health insurance plan doesn't include chemotherapy coverage that that plan cover these drugs. All we're saying is that if you have a plan, say you get cancer tomorrow, and you have a plan that includes cancer care and chemotherapy, all we're saying is that the drug, if, if a person has to take, if you have to take an oral chemotherapy, then the out-of-pocket for that each month should be should be the same as what someone who's taking an IV treatment. So, you know, if it's between twenty and fifty dollar copay a month for your IV, then it would be the same for oral chemotherapy. Um, another, you know, they always say that it's, you know, this will raise premiums for all, you know, for for everyone else, even if you don't have cancer. Mm-hmm. We've done fiscal impact studies in a, in a long list of states, um, as well as a national study that took a look at, you know, was that that claim, and it, you know, it came back. I think the most expensive projected increase we saw was ninety cents per month per health insurance policy, which you know is nominal when you look at it from a fiscal standpoint. So it doesn't raise it does not raise premiums. We've not seen premiums go up in any of the states where we've where we've gotten laws in place. Um, I think you know they try to say that this is about choice and convenience, and I think this is a really important point. Um, it's not about inconvenience to the patient. These drugs are the, the new. These are the wave of the future. These, this is targeted personal targeted therapy, personalized medicine, and for a lot of patients, 
their this if they have to take an oral, it only comes in pill form. Um, there's also it's also important to recognize combination therapy, which as Taylor was talking about, multiple myeloma is a prime example of of a cancer that's treated with combination therapy, where there's four main treatments: two are oral, two are IV, and unless if the patient doesn't have access affordable access to both oral and IV, they're in trouble when it comes to being able to get the right treatment to put their cancer into remission and help them live longer and healthier. So those are three of the typical arguments that we hear um, in pretty much every state that we go. And then every year they, they throw some new ones at us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's again, I think it comes down to just they don't like to be told, make changes in their, you know, how to do business. Right, right. Thanks, Zena. So, Taylor, um, I'd love to hear from you. So tell me a little more. Who are, who are you working with um, to, to address this access issue? And, um, and, and also, could you tell us a little bit about Speak and Peak? Yes, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. Um, as Zena was kind of mentioning, it does seem like it can be a daunting issue, and there's a lot to kind of counter in terms of arguments against oral therapy, but Really, the IMF actually runs two coalitions. One is called SPEAK and one is called PEAK. SPEAK is the State Patients Equal Access Coalition, and then PEAK is the Patient Equal Access Coalition. And what these both do, obviously, SPEAK is at the state level, and PEAK is at the federal level, and it's a collaboration of different organizations and I believe every organization that's on the phone right now is a member of either Peak or Speak. Um, so LLS, we've got um, the Inter- International Myeloma Foundation, of course. Um, I know that Xena does some work with Celgene. And it's just a collaboration of organizations that are really coming together to kind of combine resources and really target specific states as well as federal bills that will really help push push this issue forward. We're not working in silos. We're not doing our own things individually. We're all working together to really find the best solution to solve this problem and to bring access to all of these patients. And so we do work together, as I was saying, and I think um, SPEAK has 25 members and then PEAK has 30 members. So there is a large collection of organizations that are working together on this issue. So, Taylor, what kinds of things are you guys doing with Speak and Peak? That's a great question. So, we're working on two separate levels. So, as I said, Peak is working on the federal level. And right now, we are really working on a federal bill, H.R. 1801, which is the Cancer Drug Coverage Parity Act. And Senator, I mean, excuse me, Representative Brian Higgins from New York is going to be the prime sponsor for that. And so, right now, we're just working on getting that reintroduced and getting that pushed through so we can hopefully get that passed at the national level. Speak, on the other hand, of course, that's our state-based coalition, and we are actually working in several states right now that have each of their own federal, I mean, excuse me, each of their own parity bills right now. So we're working in North Carolina, North Dakota, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Wyoming, and West Virginia. And so we do have a lot of stuff going on at both the state and the federal level, both for Peak and Speak. Great. Okay. So, Zena, you started to mention earlier some gaps in oral therapy coverage. Let's, let's talk about those now. Where, where are there gaps in coverage, and how significant are these gaps? 
I mean, I think, you know, the gap is really, it's, it's very simple. Um, gap is really with how much patients are being charged every month. If you take an oral chemotherapy that, and you live in a state that does not have a law that limits what you have, what you pay every month for oral chemotherapy, chances are really high that you're paying thousands of, you're being asked to pay thousands of dollars each month just to fill one month's prescription of your drug. Um, conversely, compare that to a um, patient who has to take a V where they're they're paying an average copay between twenty and fifty dollars a month. So, I mean, the disparity is really just with with the inequity of what patients who have to take an oral chemotherapy are being asked to pay versus what folks taking IV have to pay. Wow. Okay. So, these oral um, these oral parity laws are they having an impact on what about people with Medicare? Um, are these solving the problems for, for those patients as well? No, Medicare is exempted from coverage because the bills only impact um, certain state. It's only a state law. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there is a part of the federal bill would conduct a study within Medicare to see, really can get at the heart of what the issue is at, the, at that level. Um, part D has gone some, you know, has, has, has helped patients, and, you know, to have, there's just it's different issues that they're struggling with at the federal level. So, mm-hmm. but just because of state law and the fact that a state bill cannot impact a federal program like Medicare, the bill can't touch it. Sure. All right. Well, this is frankly speaking about cancer. This episode is sponsored in part by Amgen Oncology, Bristol Myers Squibb, and Celgene Corporation. We've got to take another quick break, but we'll be back with more when we return. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. 
how to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Emily Martin, and I'm joined today by Zena Carey, Principal of Carey Collaborative Strategies, Mary Elena Lee, Director of Government Affairs for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Matt Scherer, Oncology Service Line Administrator for the Tallahassee Memorial Cancer Center and Association of Community Cancer Centers, and Taylor Patton, Advocacy Associate for the International Myeloma Foundation. So I'd love to bring Matt into the conversation now. Uh, Matt, I'd love to focus this next question on you. Matt, you work on the front lines with patients who are impacted by oral parity. Can you give us a couple of real examples of how patients have been impacted? What has been your experience? Yes. Um, so first, oral chemotherapy is growing in, in treatment options. So uh, currently, oral chemotherapy is about 10% of all cancer treatments. Uh, it's predicted that over the next 10 years, uh, that that will grow to 25%. So one in four cancer patients will actually be on an oral therapy. Uh, in particular, as an example, in 2014, of the 128 oncology drugs that were in their last phase of testing uh, with the FDA, 38 of those, or 30%, were actually oral uh, chemotherapy agents. So again, that number is only going to grow, which only increases the importance of, of this oral parity issue with, with cost for our patients. Um, also, uh, we talk about the cost. Uh, in 2011, the American Society of Clinical Oncology uh, did a study in reference to copays, and that study showed if patients were required to pay $500 or more, 25% of them uh, did not get their prescription filled. Now, you know, we're not wow. talking about maintenance medicines here, you know, the help manage certain things, we're talking about a drug that can cure a patient's disease or could mean life or death for these patients. So it's very important that we make these, these uh, treatments uh, affordable uh, for patients. Um, and talking about at the state level, uh, we referenced uh, the 16 and 16 campaign. Is, there's 16 states left that don't have any state legislation. Uh, and, and Zena referenced the, the two-year cycle um, in uh, legislation sessions and that kind of thing. And it took us exactly two years here in Florida uh, to get our bill passed. We started in, in 2011 at the beginning of that session. 
Uh, and uh, it took us literally until the last hour of the session in 2012 uh, to get the, the bill passed and then uh, actually enacted in, in 2013. So it, it is a, a, uh, a long, uh, arduous path to, to go down, but it's very much well worth it. Um, in reference to uh, being on the front lines and, and seeing how it impacts uh, patients on a daily basis, is I can give you a couple of examples of, of our patients and Great. things that we've seen here. Uh, one particular patient comes to mind. Um, she was about 35, um, single, had, had two kids, but she had a uh, a good job, a good paying job, and had good insurance. Uh, and in particular, her oral therapy for the uh, blood disorder, blood cancer that she had, wasn't covered. And it was mm -hmm. going to cost her about $3,500 a month to get this medicine that was about a 90% chance to put her disease in remission. Wow. So that, that was that cost was going to be well over half of her monthly bring-home pay. And her and her family made the decision that they weren't going to be able to afford the treatment. It was one of those cases where the patient fell in between the cracks of, of different resources. Either they didn't qualify or, or whatever the reasons were. And unfortunately, that patient in three months' time, unfortunately, passed away from something oh. that, you know, we, we could have helped that patient out. and. There's, you know, uh, stories like that almost every day around the country, uh, especially in those 16 states where uh, that's happening. Um, and so it, it's very frustrating from the physician side and, and the community side when you see those types of things. So all more important that we make uh, people aware of this and, and, and bring the community into the uh, action to uh, get oral parity addressed. Wow, definitely. What a... What a powerful anecdote there. Um, Mary Elena, so what's the connection between LLS and this issue? What, what impact has LLS had on, on improving access to oral chemotherapy? Well, Matt actually uh, just referred to it. This, this is an especially critical issue in the blood cancer space because as, you know, as many of the newer innovative breakthrough therapies um, come to market, for treatment of the blood cancers, we're finding that many of them are administered orally. So it's quite literally uh, the case that if you don't have parity of coverage for your oral and you have blood cancer and you've been prescribed an oral, you, you may simply not be able to afford your medication. As I was mentioning earlier, um, you know, when, when patients aren't able to afford their medications, they're abandoning them in some cases, as Matt mentioned, but in others, patients may um, fill the script but then choose later to alter the uh, treatment regimen that the doctor has recommended to them. So they may be breaking pills in half or taking one every other day instead of every day as directed, you know, things of that nature, which um, just as with abandonment are going to have a really negative impact on outcomes. So again, in the blood cancer space with so many of these critical therapies uh, being orally administered, this is a major issue for us. And, and that's precisely the reason why LLS has been engaged on this issue. Um, in the advocacy arena for many years now, um, I'm both 
you know, I have to say I'm both proud and humbled um, to know that we've had uh, such an impact in either leading or helping to pass parity laws in every region. And when I say pass laws, that means everything from organizing um, patients and caregivers to go down to their state capital to testify in front of the legislatures about the impact of these laws to uh, writing white papers and uh, research papers and talking to reporters in order to get stories written um, and out in the public eye uh, with regard to this issue and the impact that it's having. So we've done we've done quite a bit on the issue, along with groups like IMF and um, many others in this space. Great, great. And I, I wonder here just for a second too. Um, in, sure. in, in our experience here in Florida, LLS was very involved uh, in helping us uh, in the state of Florida as well. They were at every committee meeting. They were making phone calls and, and rallying uh, folks throughout the state to help us with our efforts here. So I uh, just wanted to throw that in there as well, as they made a huge impact here in the state of Florida in helping us get that legislation passed. Thank, thanks for that, Matt. Our chapters in Florida were really passionate about the issue. It was a, I'd say it was a really positive experience for them to be able to see, um, see the change that everyday people can have just by getting involved in, in the legislative process. That's great, and I'm sure it's it's helpful and and powerful too for for legislators to to meet these patients who are so impacted by this. Um, I think that's got to definitely have an impact as well on these hill days and other sorts of events. Just having all these um, patients participating must be a good thing. Um, and Mary Elena, before we before we close out this segment, I you mentioned. Um, you know, and Matt talked about this too, uh, adherence to, to drugs and, and how we have people who are taking half a pill instead of a whole pill trying to extend, you know, the, their treatment. You know, can you talk a little more about this? And is there anything we can do to, to maybe, maybe it's a patient education thing as well to, to let people know that they, you know, how, how, to, how to handle this? You know, I would say that is, that is a critical part of the conversations that need to take place between healthcare providers and patients. Uh, patients need to be need to be aware of how these medications are not like an aspirin or a Tylenol, you know, something that you can take in an, in an easy, casual sort of way. They really have to be taken according to very specific protocols. Um, Matt can probably actually speak to this in, in greater detail. Uh, yes, it, it, you know, it is part of our education process with, with our patients uh, mm-hmm. whenever they start any therapy is educating them about the importance of uh, regularity and, and taking it as prescribed, whether that's an IV or an oral therapy, but especially with an oral therapy because, you know, the patients do take it at home, and that's one of the, you know, biggest things that, that we see in, in the community is, as you mentioned, patients, you know, let's say they're paying $1,000 out of pocket for this prescription, and they're going to say, well, I can afford it this month, but I don't think I can afford it next month, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to take a pill every other day and make it last two months. Well, clinically, uh, that does not have the same effect. And, and making sure that not only the patient understands that, but their uh, support system, their uh, significant other, their spouse, their caregivers understand that, that it's important that you take this, you know, as prescribed as that mm-hmm. once a day, twice a day, whatever the case is, 
is very clinically important because, again, this therapy is uh, going to be the best option for their particular disease. Uh, so we, you know, the physician has prescribed it as such. So it's a big challenge in making sure that adherence to how it's prescribed is, is being done. Right, right. And, and here at uh, CSC, we've actually found we have a, uh, a project called the Cancer Experience Registry, and we found that when you throw in a risk for depression along with some of these financial issues people are having around access to oral drugs, um, you know, that, that risk of that, that rate of, of non-adherence to medications is even higher. So, you know, there, there's so many factors at play here, and, and um, we definitely want to make sure, you know, patients can have access to their drugs and that they're, that they're taking them as they need to. Um, so this, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by Takeda Oncology. We'll return with our final segment after the break. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer Series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. 
Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Emily Martin, and today we're wrapping up our show on oral parity with Zena Carey, Principal of Carey Collaborative Strategies, Mary Elena Lee, Director of Government Affairs for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Matt Scherer, Oncology Service Line Administrator for the Tallahassee Memorial Cancer Center and Association of Community Cancer Centers, and Taylor Patton, Advocacy Associate for the International Myeloma Foundation. I'd like to focus this last segment on support and resources. So I'd like to to begin by starting uh, to talk about where people living with cancer can go to find support and additional resources to help them learn more about their access to oral therapies. So Mary Elena, let's, let's start with you. Well, again, since LLS serves um, the blood cancer community, I would, I would say to individuals living with a blood cancer and to their caregivers and loved ones, please consider reaching out to LLS's Information Resource Center, um, or our IRC as we call it. There you can speak one-on-one with an information specialist who can assist you through treatment, financial and social challenges. They can provide accurate, up-to-date disease treatment and support information. They're available by phone, email. Um, There's even an online chat. So however you're most comfortable communicating with them, we probably have a way for to accommodate that. Uh, You can even call um, late at night and leave a message and ask for them to call you back. The number is 800-955-4572, which is posted on our website as well. That's just lls.org. And on the website, you can also find directions on how to make use of those other uh, communications methods that I mentioned. And then, of course, our website has tons of disease-specific information, um, which includes information about treatments that correspond to each of the blood cancers um, and a number of other resources. So please do consider visiting our Information Resource Center um, or our website. Wonderful. And Taylor, how about you? So I was just gonna was gonna echo kind of what Mayor Elena was saying. The IMF also has an info line that you can utilize to get some information about various issues that are pertaining to your care and your health. Um, one of those is, of course, access to oral medications. Um, the line or the number for that is eight hundred four five two two eight seven three. Or you can find some more information about that about that stuff on our website, which is myeloma.org. In addition to that, I know that there are several organizations that provide monetary assistance for medications if you're struggling with that. Um, there's the National Patient Advocate Foundation as well as the Patient Access Network. Both of those organizations provide wonderful copay assistance programs and can provide you with some more information and resources on how to obtain some of those medications. Additionally, I know that lots of pharmaceutical companies also offer copay assistance programs. I know, for example, Feldbeam makes some um, medications for the treatment of myeloma, and they have a copay assistance program. So there are resources there. They are available. If you need help accessing those, of course, feel free to reach out to any of our organizations. We can certainly provide you with information to all of that. Wonderful. 
so Zena, there there's a lot of work still to be done to ensure access and affordability of oral chemotherapy. How um, and, and maybe some of our other uh, participants can can also um, add in on this question too. How can our listeners at home get involved and, and help make a difference? Well, I mean, I think you know the resources available that have been that have been discussed on the call are just really great, and I encourage listeners to you know get involved that way. I also think. Um, one of the greatest ways to make change is to get involved with a campaign as an advocate. Um, if you if you want to find out if there's a, a, an active campaign in your state, you can contact LLS or the IMF um, and find that out. And I encourage folks to to, to get involved at the grassroots level. Um, if you if, if any of our if any of the listeners have a story or have a loved one with a story, telling your story in these campaigns is essential. We've act, we've literally seen um, a story make or break a, make or break a, a, a campaign. Um, be the thing that pushes a bill, you know, that one thing that you needed to get things moving so that the bill would pass. Um, so I think that tell your story, get involved with a campaign. If you can take a day off and you know and can go lobby at a lobby day, do that. Um, write a letter to the editor. Uh, you know, just all of these different things that you can do as a grassroots person that really do make a difference in advancing in advancing these types of bills. Uh, do it. I think, you know, get political um, and help something out in your state. Definitely. Another thing for caregivers and uh, the patients to know is to be your own advocate. Uh, and what I mean by that is be an advocate in talking with your physician and your cancer care team. That if you're having issues, whether it's uh, affording your medicine or taking your medicine, make sure you keep those open communication lines in with your caregiver team so that they can also help you reach uh, these resources, national resources, as well as local resources. So definitely be, a, be an advocate for yourself. I want to piggyback on what Matt just said uh, and encourage everyone to remember that sometimes you've got to be an advocate with your insurance company as well. If you, for example, live in a state where there is a parity law in effect and you believe your insurer is not appropriately applying that law to your coverage, well, reach out to your insurer and uh, have them walk you through your coverage and provide you some answers to questions about why your coverage is, is looking the way it is when you go to the pharmacy uh, to pick up your scripts. And remember that if your insurer is not able to give you answers that you find satisfactory, you can always reach out to your state insurance department, um, in particular their consumer advocate division, to either file complaints or to find out more about what your rights, your appeals rights may be in that particular state in your particular circumstance. So, uh, Zena and Matt, I think you guys really took, took the words right out of my mouth. Be an advocate for yourself. Um, remember that your story is, is an important one that, um, these individuals around you need to, to recognize and to listen to, whether it's your insurer, your medical provider, your care team. Great. And I just, Definitely. I also just wanted to kind of follow up with what everyone was saying and just 
I can't really add too much in terms of different ideas simply because Zena and Mary Elena and Matt have done such a fabulous job of explaining different options and how you can get involved. involved. But for those of you who are listening that want to get involved, but you're just kind of overwhelmed by the whole process and you're not really sure what you would like to do, but you just know that you want to in some way, feel free to reach out to any of our organizations. I know that we each have dedicated staff members that are there to kind of guide you along this process, kind of help you maybe put together some talking points to bring to a legislator and those types of things. And we can certainly give you ideas on how to push this stuff along and be great advocates for yourself. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, and so I know we may have uh, some listeners today interested in hearing more about specific oral oral chemotherapy drugs and their uses. And for anyone who wants to learn more about specific treatments, I encourage you to please visit uh, www.fda.gov um, for a full list of drugs and treatments to learn more about those. Um, I, I want to... Uh, Thank our guests today for, for joining us. Zena, Mary Elena, Matt, and Taylor, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and helping us get a better understanding of this complex yet very important issue. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So to our listeners, do you have an idea for an episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer? We invite all of our listeners to share with us any topics you'd like to hear more about in an upcoming show, and I'll extend that invitation to our guests on here today. If there's ever any other topics you'd like to talk about with us or hear more about on our show, send your idea to us at news at cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and over-the-phone support. If you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, please visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org to find a location near you or call our toll-free Cancer Support Helpline at 1-888-793-9355 to speak with a licensed mental health professional Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericahealth.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.